0: One of my favorite drinks is a limeade slush from a popular drive-in restaurant that shares the name with an incredibly fast blue hedgehog. But could the citric acid used in that limeade have been grown using something as dangerous as black mold? Let's find out on this genetically modified episode of A Reasonable Breakdown. Before we get into this episode, I would like to issue a disclaimer. This episode may not sit well with everyone. I'm going to be discussing the topic of genetically modified organisms, and the majority of my research comes from government agencies, specifically US agencies. Now I understand that there are people who will disagree with me, who will have many opinions on this matter, and may even argue that the very agencies who approve these products are in it to make money. To that I say, that's wonderful i am grateful for any and all opinions and viewpoints here on a reasonable breakdown there is no such thing as a one-sided conversation it takes all parties being open for discussion the key word here is reasonable i just want to stress that i will be as unbiased as i can be as i have been in every episode to date Finally, I would very much like to hear feedback and comments on this or any episode. Feel free to email me at brian at breakdown dot fm. Now that the formalities are out of the way, let's get on with episode four, Black Mold, the Creator of Citric Acid. Part one. Oh no, not GMO. Let's take a look at what was posted on social media and then we'll start to break this complicated story down into something a little more digestible. Now I'm going to read this verbatim and I just want to warn you it gets a little crazy. When the words citric acid appear on a food ingredient list, many believe it comes from limes or lemons. The truth is that citric acid is in fact poison and comes from genetically modified black mold. This is not by accident, hiding known toxins in food from the masses to consume is actually a form of spiritual warfare carried out by evil forces in a direct attempt to lower the population's vitality and natural vibrational frequency. In the words of Ron Burgundy, that escalated quickly. Now, I'm not going to look into all that this post mentions, such as the spiritual warfare claims or the attempts at lowering the population's vitality and natural vibrational frequencies. While all of that sounds like a good time just waiting to happen, I kind of want to focus on something a little more tangible, like the claim that citric acid is a poison that comes from genetically modified black mold. And that's exactly where we're going to start. So what is GMO or genetically modified organisms? Now, there's quite a lot of controversy that surrounds the GMO process, especially when it involves food. So my goal here is not to persuade you one way or another if foods produced using GMOs are safer than their non-GMO counterparts, but I simply want to present both sides of the argument. As with everything, There are pros and cons. One source of information that I used and kept coming back to was the website healthline.com. This website's whole goal is to give straightforward expert reviewed person first experiences. That's a direct quote from their about us page. The medical affairs team at Healthline.com is comprised of an extensive medical network of over 100 professionals that cover over 50 specialties, including medical reviews, fact-checking, and clinical guidance. I know I sound like I'm just plugging this website, like I'm being asked to talk about them, but I'm not. I'm not sponsored by them. I don't have any horse in the race when it comes to healthline.com. I simply came across the website and I'm just trying to present why I trust their information. The articles are written by doctors or professionals in a given area of expertise and they cite references and sources of where they get their information. As far as I can tell, this website is extremely transparent when it comes to facts, which I myself strive to be. One article I want to focus on, which I will link to in the description of this podcast episode, is literally titled, GMOs, Pros and Cons, Backed by Evidence. It was written by Ryan Rahman, who has a master's degree in nutrition and dietetics from the University of Auckland. This article was also medically reviewed by Kathy W. Warwick, who is a registered dietitian and certified diabetes educator with over 35 years of experience. One of the pros of genetically modifying crops is that scientists can make crops pest and insect resistant to common herbicides. The most common name in herbicides is Roundup, which is glyphosate based. And since these crops are already built to resist pests and insects, they don't need to be exposed to these harmful chemicals as often. These crops can also be modified to help them survive stressful conditions such as droughts and resist diseases like blights. This in turn results in higher yield for farmers. The argument here is that if crops are stronger and made to be pest resistant, then that's also going to lower the cost of maintenance on the farmer's side, and that's going to mean lower cost of produce for the consumers. On the flip side of that coin is the non-GMO project, which aims to educate consumers of what goes into their food and is committed to preserving and building sources of non-GMO products. I'll put a link to their website in the podcast description as well. One point they bring up is that since these crops are resistant to pesticides, that in turn results in weeds and bugs that are also just as resistant to the typical herbicide used to treat crops. The Non-GMO Project goes on to say that this causes the use of more toxic poisons. Now, The source cited on the Non-GMO Project's website was no longer working. But it was linked to a page hosted by Monsanto, which is a huge name in GMO technology and is owned by Bayer, who, as you probably know, has a large stake in the pharmaceutical industry. It's also worth mentioning that Monsanto manufactures Roundup, which is that glyphosate-based herbicide. Ryan goes on to explore allergies, which is a huge deal, almost as big as the controversy surrounding herbicides and their impact on the environment and humans. There are concerns that GMO products, which contain foreign genes, can harbor genes from foods that may prompt allergic reactions. Ryan notes a study from the mid-1990s that found adding a protein from Brazil nuts in GMO soybeans could trigger allergic reactions in people sensitive to Brazil nuts. But after this was discovered, scientists abandoned that particular GMO food. Ramon goes on to link an article from anallergy.org, the website for the Annals of Allergy, Asthma, and Immunology. This article, titled The Allergenicity of Genetically Modified Foods from Genetically Engineered Crops, states that since 1992, more than 1,300 separate assessments by regulatory agencies around the world have reviewed safety data on various GMO crops. And each time these statements concluded that genetically modified crops are as safe as conventionally developed crops. And if you reference any of the US agencies such as the Food and Drug Administration, the Environmental Protection Agency, or the USDA, they all maintain that GMOs are safe for human and animal consumption. But if you refer back to the non-GMO project and look at the GMO facts page, There is a little paragraph about safety in which they say that in the absence of credible independent long term feeding studies, the safety of GMOs is unknown. And this is where we get to the real meat of the issue. GMO crops are still relatively young compared to the entire history of agriculture. From National Geographic's website on GMOs, the first genetically engineered plants to be produced for human consumption were introduced in the mid-1990s. That may seem like a long time, 25-some years, but really, we've just scratched the surface of this technology. I could go on for hours about the conflicting opinions on GMO crops, the pros and cons, but instead, I'll leave you with this. The non-GMO project mentions a statement from 2015 signed by 300 scientists, physicians, and scholars. They claim that the scientific consensus on GMOs frequently repeated in the media is an artificial construct that has been falsely perpetuated. However, if you go to this statement, which I will link to, you'll read that the statement does not assert that GMOs are unsafe or safe. Rather, the statement concludes that the scarcity and contradictory nature of the scientific evidence published to date prevents conclusive claims of safety or of lack of safety of GMOs. So how does any of what I just talked about relate to the black mold and citric acid of the social media post? Well, we're about to find out. Part 2. Not all black molds are created equal if you do a google search on black mold the first things to come up are how to remove black mold and the symptoms treatment and prevention of black mold but what is it exactly well as it turns out not all black molds are created the same back in 1837 a gentleman by the name of august carl joseph Korda discovered a genus of molds which came to be known as stachybotrys and it is a filamentous fungi that asexually reproduces. One of the most infamous species is Stachybotrys chatarum. This is commonly known as black mold or toxic black mold. When people think about black mold, this is the species they typically think of. It grows on water-damaged materials and can cause poor air quality. There is another form of mold that belongs to the Aspergillus genus. It is called Aspergillus niger, and while it shares some similarities with other species of molds, it gets confused with the more toxic Stachybotrys black molds. This isn't to say, though, that Aspergillus niger isn't bad. It can be found growing in damp or humid areas like bathrooms or around window frames. It's also a major component of mildew, and if left unchecked, their toxins are also dangerous when confined to an indoor area. Now, there are reports that say people who have a weak immune system or are already heavily immunocompromised are more likely to be impacted by the mycotoxins associated with Aspergillus niger. Another common place you might find a niger mold is when certain foods like grapes and peanuts spoil. You'll start to see black patches growing, and this is the Aspergillus niger mold. So, now that we kind of know what black mold is, We know that there are several species and genus of black molds. Are the claims that it's used to grow citric acid true? And if so, is it dangerous? I've already explored the fact that molds can cause respiratory issues and possibly even other infections, not to mention the effects it can have on general air quality from growing in damp, humid environments. It's a little hard to believe that citric acid could be a byproduct of black mold. But, is it really that crazy? With the power of science, it's not only possible to harvest large quantities of citric acid using black mold, but it's considered completely safe. In 1917 a food chemist named james curry discovered that any strain of the filamentous mold aspergillus niger can produce high concentrations of citric acid when grown in a sugar medium over the past 100 years we've honed our skills on how to collect just the citric acid not the dangerous black mold this story Well, parts of this story, specifically the use of black mold to grow citric acid, is 100% true. There are caveats that I feel I have to mention, though. If you are already allergic to citric acids, then this will, and hopefully come as no surprise, but the citric acid harvested from the black mold isn't poison, and it's not going to be any different from naturally growing citric acid. You're still going to be allergic to it. Now, instead of blaming black mold on the issue, which was one of the points of the social media post, instead, focus on the facts. People can be allergic to citric acid regardless of how it was created, and there's no black mold in your soda, or poison. And, I can't believe I have to say this, but it's not some huge conspiracy or form of spiritual warfare. We simply found an easier, quicker way to grow citric acid. Now, finally, if you don't want to consume citric acid or any other genetically modified foods, that's your business and no one should be able to say that you're wrong for doing so. As I tell my wife all the time, you do you. I hope you enjoyed this episode of A Reasonable Breakdown. If you have any feedback or comments, please feel free to send them to brian at breakdown.fm. Be sure to stick around for the word of the day, and as always, have a wonderful day. The word of the day is disquisition. It is a noun, and it originates from Latin in the mid-17th century. The definition is, A long or elaborate essay or discussion on a particular subject here is disquisition used in a sentence lucian submitted a disquisition of poetry inspired by shakespeare for his thesis the music used in this episode and what you're hearing right now is chill out 14 by one tamra two hosted over on pixabay.com